Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Byline Breakdown, the podcast where we dive into the stories behind the headlines at the Business Journal. I'm Mike Moliterno. Just a quick bit of housekeeping. Next week, we will be off for the Thanksgiving holiday, so there will not be a new episode of the Byline Breakdown, but we will be back the following Thursday. Uh, Today, we are joined by George Nelson, the deputy managing editor of the Business Journal, who every year covers the annual Philanthropy Day Awards. George, welcome to the show. Nice to be here, Mike. Absolutely. So, George, uh, your recent piece on this year's National Philanthropy Day Awards. Could you share what goes into covering such an event every year? Well, the Mahoning Shenango chapter of the Association of Fundraising Professionals, which hosts the local National Philanthropy Day event, recognizes the full range of philanthropy in our community, from small fundraising groups and even even children and teens to the people who typically get their names put on buildings. Now, usually the organization recognizes honorees in six or seven categories each year, and we typically talk to all of the honorees, as well as the people who nominated them, other than, of course, the folks who are being recognized posthumously. So it does take quite a bit of time to interview the various honorees and their nominators, as well as the co-chairs of the event. Now, ideally, these interviews are done in person, but in some cases, as with this year, when one of the honorees was better than an hour away, uh, we'll do it by phone. And this is kind of a Every time that the leaves start to turn, I know that you're going to come and start talking to me about going to possibly go interview nominees. Right. and Because it happens at the same time every year. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, National Philanthropy Day happens every year in November. Right. So that's when we schedule our coverage. Uh, Usually we know by August, September, who the honorees are going to be. And then we start making plans as far as reaching out and trying to get everyone scheduled so that we have the story to run in advance of the Philanthropy Day Awards event in November. And just so in case people are wondering, the actual event is happening the day that this podcast comes out, Thursday the 16th. So you can go ahead and uh, check those out in case you're wondering. So, George, alongside the, 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 the main story that you wrote, you also, as you said, you talked to each of the individual honorees. Um, any stories or uh, nominees that, you, that stood out to you this year? I'm always interested in hearing about what drives their philanthropy. Now, in some cases, there's a very personal focus, as with the Coley's or, or this year's Young Philanthropist Award recipient, Mackenzie Gale. Uh, you have Birdfish Brewing, a relatively new business, you know, just started in the last decade, that maintained its philanthropic focus, even as it worked to navigate COVID-19, which crippled the hospitality industry, or Rich Ma- Rick's Ranchware, which has endured all manner of changes in retail over the past four decades. Then there are just the ones that flat out surprise you. I had known the late Dr. Rick Shale for years. He was an English professor at YSU and I knew him because of that, as well as, interestingly, he used to come ride the roller coaster at Idora Park when I worked there as a kid. You worked at the Wildcat? I didn't work at the Wildcat. I actually worked next door to the Wildcat oh. in, uh, in one of the game concessions. But I, I would see him come with his, with his group of roller coaster fans and, and ride it regularly every summer. Oh, he was a, he was a speed junkie. Yeah, okay. he, Interesting. that was one of, his, one of his many interests. But learning what he had left in terms of of his you know the money he had raised over the years accumulated through investing living simply it was just mind-boggling um 
any, and this is just something I kind of thought of, are there any nominees from the past who perhaps you met while doing these stories that you have continued to see um, covering events for the Business Journal who have remained relevant, that you you see them now and they're still doing big things and they've become kind of a name that's in the in the headlines or or that in, you know, a uh, prominent person in an industry that we're always covering. I think most of the people that I that I've dealt with have uh, have remained relevant in that sense. Uh, interestingly, um, well, one of the people who was this year, one of the nominators this year, last year was both a nominator and an honoree uh, a year or two ago, uh, Scott Schulich. And, and I've actually gotten to know Scott because now we are both members of the Rotary Club of Youngstown. So we work on philanthropy at that level together. Okay, awesome. Now, George, this event emphasizes philanthropy in our community. From your perspective, having covered this all these years, how important is it to recognize these efforts? It's easy to assume that the people being recognized for philanthropy engage in it for ego or recognition or to promote their businesses. Most of the time, their giving happens under the radar. And generally, the people I talk to express embarrassment that they're being recognized at all. But I think the point is showing that people at all levels of the socioeconomic spectrum can give to make the community a better place. Uh, Sometimes that means giving of their time rather than their treasure. Basically, it's a way to inspire others to do good. Um, So in, in your years of covering the awards, has this changed your view of philanthropy? I think I'm just generally more aware of what takes place under the umbrella of philanthropy locally. I mean, not only who gives, but who is doing what work in our community to to try to improve it. Before we go, George, any final thoughts on this year's Philanthropy Day nominees or any um, teasers or sneak peeks of some stories that you might have coming down the road? Well, a lot of the work I'm going to be doing in the next couple of months is going to focus on preparing for the upcoming 40th anniversary of the Business Journal in 2024, though not exclusively. Um, The first edition of what was called, at the time, the Youngstown Business Journal was published in August 1984, and we will be spending next year marking that milestone. You threw in, though, not exclusively, as if any of us ever work on just one thing at a time. <laughs> uh, there, there, are, there are a couple of things. I've, I've, I recently went into kind of an interesting place. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it necessarily just yet. But uh, in in the next issue, um, you'll be you'll be getting a look at a place that probably a lot of people are kind of curious about. Oh, okay, awesome. I'm I'm curious. All right, because I don't know what it is. Well, thank you very much, George. Uh, It was very, very entertaining. And thank you for tuning in to the Byline Breakdown. Don't forget to subscribe for more behind-the-scenes stories from the Business Journal. Until next time, I'm Mike Moliterno. You wouldn't drive a car without a map, so why navigate the business world of northeastern Ohio and western Pennsylvania without the Business Journal? Trusted since 1984, we're the compass pointing you to growth and prosperity. Digital, print, why not both? We've got subscription options tailored for every business-savvy individual. Light up your path to success. Subscribe to the Business Journal today.